I'm Lauren. And I'm Austin. We're an interracial couple raising a biracial daughter and have regular conversations about the value of our different experiences and how we want to raise our child. We believe that God made people of different ethnicities for His glory alone. But like many other things, sin corrupts. We have made a mockery out of what God meant to be good. And in comes racism, a very real problem plaguing our hearts and minds and therefore invading systems of this world. So we decided to hit the record button as we discuss race, division, unity, and how to live a life in opposition to this sin specifically. We hope you'll join us as we dive headfirst into current topics, discuss ways to live a life against racism, and ultimately seek on earth as it is in heaven a place that will be filled with people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. You're listening to Grace and Race, a podcast about practicing anti-racism and promoting unity in families and communities. What to do? Hello, hello. Thank you guys for joining. <clears throat> Thank you guys for joining us back at Grace and Race. I am tired. Wait, did I use that excuse last time? Uh, whatever seriously been waking up at 4 45 on average in the mornings trying to get that workout in and my brain's a little mush but that's okay we're going to carry on and we're going to talk about how to engage uh, with racial conversations in our communities um, I, I think it might seem similar to a topic that we've done before but there are some important differences and nuances that I hope you hear in today's episode yeah thanks for that little intro Austin (laughs) um yeah so just a a quick little note about how this is different from other conversations that we've had and and I think you'll notice that as we get in but we've talked before about having uncomfortable conversations with people that we love and we did that episode right before Thanksgiving and we're doing this episode right before Christmas and so these honestly probably could be a part one and part two kind of kind of conversation where we're really talking about two different sides of the same coin Um, but we're going to be talking about a little bit more of our processing and just approaching our communities in a more broad sense right and the reason that we're doing it at this time is because um, we are about to be spending time with people who we don't normally spend time with right so whether we're going to be spending more time with our immediate families whether you've got kind of a a bubble of people that you're going to be with in the holiday season however this this season looks for you we're going to be engaging in in our little communities. But then also, we're going to go back to our normal lives once we uh, once the new year starts, or maybe once Christmas season is over. So it could be your workplace, it could be your church, it could be all different kinds of, of little communities that we find ourselves in. So today, we're going to be really diving into... If, if you have a racist or a non, just a non-racist community, what do you do? How do you approach that? Do you do anything? Do you say anything? What are kind of some of the ways that, that we can approach these conversations with, with a lot of grace? So, like I said, listen to this episode. And then if you haven't already listened to 
the episode about hard conversations or uncomfortable conversations, um, go back and listen to that one. And hopefully you'll be very equipped for whatever community. And Austin is watching a football game right now. Okay, let me be honest with you. I'm in the semifinal of my fantasy football league. And I was just checking to see if my starting quarterback was doing his job. And good news, everybody. He is. It's Justin Herbert, if you were just wondering, by the way. Um, but, yeah, I'm all in for today. Let's do it. Um, I don't know that I believe that, but okay. Let's go. Oh, man. Okay, well, other than that little intro, thank you guys so much again for tuning in, for listening. We appreciate you. I know we say this week after week, but, y'all, especially if if you know us in real life um, <laughs> and you listen, we we so love hearing from you. Yeah. We, we love we love hearing um, that you're enjoying this. We would love for ideas. Like if you have something that you want to hear about specifically right. questions. Topics. Yeah. Please let us know. We were, we were in church the other day and just got some encouragement from a friend at church who we, we didn't know listened. And it was, it was just sweet. And, and, I don't know if anybody listening to this has ever podcasted before, but it's just kind of funny because Austin and I are sitting in our home and having these conversations, which is not a lot different than mm. just what we do in normal life. That's right. And then we put it out into the world, and sometimes I forget <laughs> that other people are actually That's listening right. to this. Yes, it doesn't feel like a production. It doesn't feel like something official at all. Just Because these are just, what, continuations of what we already talk about. Right. Right. We're very intentional about grace and race and – uh, how to use it for God's glory and also how to go through the the everyday struggles and wrestles with it. So you're right. It was so sweet. And sometimes, you know, the enemy tries to just bring you down like, oh, you're being so mean and you're you're being so hard on people. And and to hear someone say, I needed to hear that. It was tough. You know, they even admit it like it's tough, but I appreciate it. And so just like God bless and uh, whoever feels that way, just God bless you. And hopefully these continue to be fruitful for you. Mm. Yep, thankful for you guys. Like I said, like I say every week, broken record over here. If you don't mind, go ahead and and leave us a review and a rating, um, especially on Apple Podcasts. Even if you don't listen to Apple Podcasts, and you can go do that, that would be awesome. It just helps our our podcast be able to be seen by other people, and so yeah, we would love that, and then love for you to share with your friends and family who are maybe wanting to to dive a little bit more deeply into anti racism as well. It would mean a lot to us. We'd love to hear about the conversations that this is starting and the way that these episodes are maybe changing some of the way that you're talking to friends and family in your own communities let's do it and with that we are going to hop into this so i think to to start off i think it's important that we kind of define community and whenever i say define community understand that this is a huge broad definition Hmm. whenever i say community i really mean anything right whatever you define is your community then that's what we're talking about right um you could be involved in multiple different communities for us like in our lives we're involved in community 
in our families, right? Our, our families are kind of their own individual little communities. We're involved in community in our workplaces. We're involved in community at our church, right? At our church, we have, you know, our church, and then we have specific Bible studies that we're in. Those are communities. And then you could just be thinking about, like, overall. If I am just in an overall place, so Nashville is our community, Franklin, Tennessee, whatever. There are a lot of different ways that you could break this down. So it might feel like we're speaking a little bit broadly, and that's because we are. Oh. Um, and and I think different things will apply to different specific areas of your life, right? But really, these can – I think that the important thing is, is is that we do look at every single one of our little pockets of community in our lives and look at them individually and look at them as a whole and say – how do I engage well in these specific places? Yes, I think one thing that really resonates with me about community is understanding that everybody, please hear me, everybody has an ability to speak into whatever community they're in. Even if your voice isn't, how do I say this? Your community, you might be the minority, you might not have the last word in your community. That doesn't mean that your voice doesn't matter. That doesn't mean you sharing what to be true doesn't matter. It, it does matter. And I think sometimes when we're not, I think that's why we like echo chambers, Lauren, and talk about this a little bit. Because in those communities, we feel empowered because everybody mm. is with me. Mm -hmm. But we feel super drained and discouraged in communities where people aren't saying the same things as us and believe in the same thing you know it's it's draining and i just want to encourage you today um don't get reliant on people seeing it through a biblical or healthy way as far as race and grace right don't be reliant on that for you to stand up and step up and speak truth to power over something that has caused so much division and harm so i think the first thing that we need to do when we're thinking about these communities is kind of define them a little bit, right? So so take a look at, or maybe not define, evaluate. Evaluate our communities. So we're going to give three kind of umbrella evaluations and talk about what, what some different communities might look like. So Austin, can you give me an idea of what an anti-racist community might look like? Mm. An anti-racist community is going to be very vocal on not only negating or, I guess, speaking against racism, um, but affirming things that are racially healthy, that are racially good. So affirming, right, openly diversity while speaking out against negative effects of racism. That's going to be a healthy community as far as anti-racism. You have to be saying this is what's bad. This is what we're not standing for. This is not okay. While also replenishing and replacing it with, and this is why it's good, right? I use this example all the time. The worst thing you can do is if all you do is eat junk food, and I'm really not trying to attack you if you're listening to this right now. You're like, oh, my gosh, how does he know? No, like <laughs> if, <laughs> if all you eat is junk food, the best diet plan is not to stop eating junk food. 
that's not the best diet plan. Because if you just stop eating, let's take it literally, if you just stop eating junk food, you're not eating anything. You have to replace it with healthy eating. So we can't just be screaming, stop the racism. And that's it. Right? Is there good to that? Of course. It's good to stop eating junk food. It's good to stop racism. I'm not saying that's bad. But we need to replenish. We need to replace. We need to restore. And that's what we do with our diets. That's what we have to do in our communities, too. We can't just scream when it's bad. We have to be showing where race is helpful and healthy and can be used for God's glory. We have to have both for that to be, I think, a thriving community uh, regarding race. Mm. That's really good. And I think another thing to note about what an anti-racist community looks like is not just saying we want diversity for diversity's sake or for, Mm. you know, a picture, right, for Mm. to be, you know, plastered on on the front of like, look, hey, we're diverse, right? It's not about vision, but it's about actually seeing the value in people and what different people bring to the table. And that 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 is a good thing and can be a good thing an example of this. And I know that we've got some people who listen to this podcast who um, aren't Christians, but I think that this can really apply. And I've got, I know we've got a lot of people who are. And so, you know, using the example of the early church, right? The early church was known for like after Jesus died in the time where Christianity was just absolutely blowing up was known for breaking down the walls of hostility between people who were different, right? Mm. And people who were different that the world had placed these dividing lines between. Mm -hmm. So it was taking down those dividing lines. It was coming together and the church thrived like majorly people who, who were like other people were able to go out and and bring in other people who are like them and then be able to relate because you know we had they had this commonality together with people who the world would say you guys should never be friends like you guys should never work together you should never be able to relate to one another like this mm. and it and it thrived right so kind of in a similar way like we should we should be able to see the value in others not just because it's what you know it's the woke thing to do or whatever mm. but because we actually see the value in other people right because we notice that hey everybody around me doesn't look the same everybody around me doesn't think the way that I do and I can I can notice that somebody with a little bit different experience than me who walks in different skin than I do has value and has uh, bring something different to the table than I might. And that's a good thing. And we oh. should embrace it. That's good. I've, I have two more things for a healthy community. Is that okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They just kind of come to my, my mind. So one, um, leadership. Mm-hmm. I, I think when you can have a leader, and, and I think this is important. This is important. When we say there's value in our differences, I think it's important. We're not saying, like Lauren articulated, we'll just grab that black person, grab that Asian person, grab that, you know, Latinx person, grab that person just so we can fill the quota or we can check off the box. That's not what we're saying. When you have leaders and then you're actually listening to them, you give them a microphone. And when they have suggestions, you're processing that information. You're really trying to figure out ways to to not only support them in their leadership, but follow them. When you're willing to follow, 
that is very healthy y'all for generations it was not only taboo it was marked as wrong for white people to follow black people as far as leadership it was wrong in our country it wasn't just like oh that's awkward it was what are you doing and Whenever you want to have a healthy place as far as racial tensions, it's so unique for white and black people in our country because of our history. It's something special when you can have a black person in leadership. They're not just a puppet. They're not just articulating what all your white friends think or most of your white friends think, right? It's actually thoughts that you're like, wow, I never thought of it like that. Or that's challenging and that's tough. Like, really? Like, that's it's something beautiful in a community where they put people of color in positions of power and you're actually listening to them and they have a voice and they have a say and i'm not talking about in garbage time when the game's 43 to 10 and everybody pulls the starters out then go ahead and run the play the offense no i'm talking about third and 15 seven minutes left in the super bowl you go to the sideline and you allow that person in leadership to call their own shot let's run this play that was Patrick Mahomes, by the way, against the 49ers, <laughs> for anybody who picked that up. <laughs> but seriously, when we can call our shot in the clutch, that that is that is beautiful. And there is a lot of healing there. And there's a lot of tearing down walls of hostility. And that, that leads to my second one. Find things that ancestors did in the past to keep people of color from having an impact in communities and tear that down. Do the exact opposite mm-hmm. in the name of love, right? And when we say love, we're talking about Christ, because without God, you know, love is just a subjective term. It's kind of what you think it is or what I think it is. I think Jesus, I think God defines love. And uh, the cool thing about the scriptures is one of the biggest theological claims, biggest claims in human history. God is love. Right. That's that's a powerful claim. It's not he's loving. It's he is love. Uh, it, It pours out of I mean, he can't be anything else so that's very powerful so i would say to you in a healthy climate you're going to find ways to tear down those walls that were specifically built up that's why it's so powerful when people say okay well oh man uh uh-huh i see this your community racism white supremacy really hit your community through economics didn't it yes figuring out plans and ways to help economically restore them that would be exactly against what happened to them in the past, right? Of finding those things that intentionally happened to people of color and then saying, you know what? No, we're not doing that here. We're doing the exact opposite. Uh, I thought one thing was really cool is we're at a Christian school in Franklin and it was so beautiful, it was so powerful. They have all of these people of color on their walls, people to look up to, heroes in the U.S., heroes of Tennessee, heroes that people can look to and want to aspire to be. And um, it was so cool because there's like a history hallway and over the water fountain, it says uh, everybody only over the water fountain. And it gives me chills. Everybody only. They were intentionally saying, oh, we remember when the water fountain said whites only colors only we remember that they said no we're gonna we're gonna actually revamp that everybody only uh and i just think that's so cool to have that mindset i think that shows you there's a community that is probably on the healthy side Hmm. yeah definitely so that is an anti-racist community i think it's important to note that 
there is never going to be a perfectly anti-racist community, right? Because communities are filled with people who are sinners, right? Who are flawed. And, and so there are always going to be people who are maybe further ahead in it than others. Maybe there's somebody who's further ahead in it than you. Maybe you're further ahead in it than someone else. Right. But, and so if you, if you're part of a community that like, man, checks off a lot of those boxes, awesome. Like that's amazing. And also that if you're part of one of those communities, you know, that takes effort, right? Being anti-racist is, is about action. It's about intentionality. It's about effort. You're not just that inherently, right? Mm. Because, because of our history, because we know that there are things that, that were put in place in our communities, in our history, and ultimately in our hearts that, Mm. that want to divide us. Right. And so it's about actively fighting against those things. So, so if you're if if everyone in your which I kind of doubt because I don't know of anyone whose life is like this completely but if every single one of the communities that you're involved in is like that don't turn off this podcast yet mm. <laughs> because because it's something that still needs to be fought for right because that could change at at a lot of points mm. so yeah but that's ultimately that's ultimately what we're striving for in all of our communities So we're going to kind of swing the pendulum the other way, right? So Austin, can you tell me what a racist community might look like? Straight up racist. So a racist community is going to, I think, actively, I believe, actively affirm things that are racially untrue and really well you remember you got to look at the context of what we're talking about we live in america so racism isn't america's first sin it's white supremacy and we have to be very specific in saying that why why is that important to know because white supremacy is why a lot of laws were written was why our economic system, the way it was built on slavery, the way Jim Crow came through uh, mass incarceration, war on drugs. Look throughout our history since 1619. You'll see it. Uh, white supremacy is the issue. And when people stand up against white supremacy, that's where change happens. And that's where racial equality and racial progress thrives when people intentionally push against white supremacy now there's racial bigotry everywhere and all forms need to be corrected and all forms are wrong especially in the eyes of god but we're talking about specifically in the context in which we live so when i say uh, a place that affirms white supremacy a place that affirms um hate groups a place that affirms um hate groups as a different what would they say a different what have i heard it as point of view mm, hate yeah. in racist communities hate is seen as a different point of view it's right it's, yes. it's equal to the the woke movements or, or it, whatever it's exactly. equal to all of the other things it's just a different point of view a racist community will be like the kkk is wrong and so is the black panthers mm. and it's like wait 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 the black panthers formulated to stop the kkk from terrorizing people like that was literally made in defense (laughs) to protect you know like that second amendment the thing you really love like when black people try to do it they were thugs and they were wrong for doing it 
But when white people do it, they're great American citizens. So we can't play with this a point of view. with a different point of view. <laughs> so if you're in a community where um, you're affirming, you know, racial groups or you're associating, man, Black Lives Matter, there's just as wrong as the Proud Boys. Really? You really want to go there? Okay. Because Proud Boys literally exist from 2016. If you look at, um, I think, was it Pew Research? Uh, talked about the way they came together. That white pride, instilling white pride, that is literally on the offense. It's not the defense. It's the offense. Whenever we talk about offensive versus defensive, that is very, very important to note. How can we instill white pride knowing the context of the country? Why, trust me, white people don't need more pride. Look at history. <laughs> you got enough to be proud about. Uh you, you you don't need you don't need pride right and so what i'm saying is black people when someone's saying hey black pride or black lives matter too that's what the movement's trying to say we, we matter too when you listen to those movements it's in defense of something that's happening oh man when we kill our people black people kill black people then the black person's going to jail they're going up under the jail and they probably never see the day of light again we that's how we feel but dang, if a white cop kills us, or if a black cop, or if a Hispanic cop, or if anybody else kills us, they can get away. We have to do time, but they get to get away. Our lives matter too. That's how it started. So it's like you got to be very careful when you're not quick to listen to nuance, and you're 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 affirming hate groups as just a different point of view. That's how you know you're in a racist community. Mm. What right? Because like. You're, most of you aren't going to be in the KKK or what's it called? IK, IKA, I forgot. There's a different name now. Yeah. Like most of you are not going to be in that community. So I'm trying to think of the workplace. I'm trying to think of the church. I'm trying to think of, you know, any place that you might find yourself that is using that rhetoric or, you know, mm -hmm. agree to disagree when there's hate on one side and not on the other. Yeah. No, I think that's good. And I think that probably... I would venture to say, and this this is a this is a major generalization, that probably most communities aren't gonna fall in the anti racist categories category. <clears throat> and depending where you are and what you're doing, probably and again this is a major generalization, most communities aren't going to necessarily fall into the racist category. A lot are, right? Probably a lot more than the anti-racist one, right? Right. I would say that most communities that we're talking about are probably going to be more somewhere in the middle, like we talk about the non-racist, right? The kind of indifferent toward all of it. And you could argue, which go back and listen to our first episode where we kind of do all of these definitions, that non-racism is a form of racism. So I'm not saying that, you know, that those two things are totally different. But but Austin, can you kind of help us understand what somewhere in the middle of that more of a non-racist community might, might look like? The non-racist tries to put the Band-Aid on something that needs surgery. That's what I've learned. Mm -hmm. The non-racist is, let's not look at color. Let's all be colorblind. 
So you're not affirming differences because you think differences mean divide. Differentiating and dividing are not always synonymous. I'm going to say it again. Differentiating and dividing is not always synonymous. Me and Lauren are different, right? I'm a man. She's a woman. I'm black. She's white. We're together. We are one. We are married. Those are differences between us. We're not divided. But we're not divided. And so I think the non-racist is so scared because they put differentiating and dividing in the same category every time. So they're like, well, let's just be colorblind. Let's not look at it. So if you don't look at the color, are you going to listen to the different types of cries out for pains and um, struggles and things that need to be changed? No, you're not going to listen to it because you don't see it. And we shouldn't be talking about it. It shouldn't exist. So you're not affirming white because you're trying to ignore white too. (laughs) Right? So this leaves room for people in the community who are racist to breathe and to flow because you don't want to talk about it. Let's not talk about it. So that, that's a feeling. Um, not listening is huge. Empath- trying to empathize or sympathize. That's huge in a non-racist community. Um, always trying to play. I saw this amazing oratory. I had a friend in Florida. Explain what one of his. Oh, it's a persuasive <laughs> speech, about 10 minutes. High schoolers can do it. And the National Speech and Debate Association. We used to travel all over the country, but hey, COVID. And he had a student that did this thing on false balance. And we're so quick to try to say everybody needs the same amount of, you know, microphone. And and it's this weird false balance. And what I mean by that is this, for the person who's a bully and being bullied, they need, both people need love. But one needs discipline and the other one doesn't. The other one doesn't. You don't discipline the person who was bullied. You don't. You discipline the person who was bullying. So when we're in racial context, the non-racist is trying to keep it 50-50 when that's not the correct ratio. If someone is being racially harmful, you correct and discipline that person. I'm not saying don't do it with love. I'm not saying don't do it with grace. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is when you're so quick to do 50-50, you're, you're sending the wrong message. You know, our little son's coming. Uh, he's coming in hot. <laughs> Soon. March. And when he's here, you know, if Eden, our daughter, slaps him, he starts crying. I'm not going to be like, okay, y'all both are in trouble. She slapped him. Mm-hmm. She needs to be talked to. Hey, Eden, no, we're not going to do that. If he slaps her. Okay, y'all both going to time. No, I'm going to him. He's going to get corrected. So the the non-racist wants to play 50-50, thinks that they're making everything healthier, really doesn't want to talk about anything, really doesn't want to address anything, really good intentions a lot of times, but ends up doing a lot of harm. Hmm. That's helpful. So communities are made up of people, and that's the thing. Probably we could probably say like, oh, it's really hard to evaluate my community because within my community, I might have some anti-racist people, some non-racist people, some racist people. I think a lot of it comes down to a couple of things. One, um, just kind of, like I said, 
the umbrella definition, kind of taking like, okay, but what does this look like as a whole? Like, what are most of our conversations about? Who dominates those conversations? Where's the leadership? What's what's going on? Like Austin was talking about leadership. What's going on as a whole in these places? And that can help us better kind of understand where to go next. So Austin, when, when we're thinking about communities, when we're thinking about engaging in the places that we're in, let's kind of lean toward the racist and non-racist communities. How do we start grace-filled conversations in places where maybe we aren't in leadership in those communities, like in formal leadership, whether it's, you know, you're in the more like bottom level employee, maybe it's just your, it's in your family and there's no real like leader of the family, whatever that looks like, how do we start grace-filled conversations in our racist and non-racist communities? I believe it's different for different people. That's why I always say start with relationships. Yeah. I'm telling you, y'all, I've been able to do this so much better as an adult um, in spaces where people are in totally different racial processes and just different wavelengths. Some people might respond to this video better than another. You're only going to know that if you have relationships. And relationship doesn't always mean best friend, hang out with text all the time. Like it's literally have a baseline, have something, even if it's as small as a inside joke, mm. you know, like people don't realize like you can build community, build community, figure, try to understand that person outside of the context of race. So when you introduce race, you know how to do it to that person in such a way. What I am very, very passionate and very, very knowledgeable and what I'm trying to articulate regarding racial um, tensions and racial perception, racial experience from a black person in America. I can I, I can give you a lot to chew on, but I don't spit the same information to every person. And I do that on purpose because I know if I do it to some, I might lose them. Um, even on my Facebooks, if my Facebook, if I'm going off. I typically know I lost that person. So I'm wanting someone else to read the comment to see it. Like you have to be strategic. Like I know this person right here is not going to listen to me, not going to respect. So I'm going to do this comment a little bit more robust. And I'm hoping that other people around in their community can read it and say, huh, wow, didn't think of it like that. Hmm. You see what I mean? You got to be strategic. So I always start like with know your community, know them well. You'll know when you can give the tough love. You know when you have to be a little bit softer, even if you don't want to. But think about it. If you want to be effective, you have to consider um, changing up your approach for specific people. Mm. Not the truth, just your approach. I think this is also a place where knowing how to ask good questions comes in. And like Austin said, understanding our audience, right? So if we start on the defensive every single time, then we are probably going to lose people. Mm-hmm. But whenever we start with just questions like, hey, you just said something. Can you explain that to me a little bit more? Or can you help me understand why you feel that way? Or if someone, you know, kind of going in the non-racist part, if someone says, well, we're colorblind around here. We don't we don't see race when we're hiring or we don't see race when we're X, Y and Z. Um, 
hey, what do you what do you mean by that? Whenever you say you don't see color, when you say you don't see race, what do you what do you mean by that? Can you help me understand? And you know, starting with just a question that that isn't attacking anyone else, but it's just like opening the conversation up a little bit more so that we can get into the nuance of why we think the way that we do. And I I think for the most part, and this isn't every single time, but when when we approach people like that, one, it brings dignity into the conversation, which is really important. But two, it shows, well, and I guess this goes with the dignity, it shows that we want to hear, we don't want to speak over you. We want to talk with you. Mm-hmm. And that's ultimately, whenever we're talking about anti-racism, it's not about, it's about like enhancing conversations and creating conversations that are going to fight racism, right? Because that's how, that's how it all starts, right? It's conversation bleeds into action. And so that's, that's ultimately our goal. And another just quick plug I would really encourage you guys to go back and listen to that Hard Conversations episode. I'm going to find out exactly which one it is while we're talking real quick. Hmm. Let's see. We can do that. can go to my (laughs) podcast app and see all episodes. I should know this better, but I don't. Okay, episode number seven, How to Have Hard Conversations About Racism. Mm -hmm. That would be really helpful um episode number eight too about certain things that we might say that are racist and if you hear somebody saying those things that might give you a better idea of like how to ask questions we talk a lot about colorblindness in that one how to ask questions to maybe like open those things up a little bit more but yeah just bring dignity into the conversation always and it's not always going to go perfectly but it will start somewhere. So kind of along that same line, Austin, you and I know that even if we ask, even if we ask the best questions, even if we are so kind, even if we <laughs> present so much grace, even if we like are it's it's the best most like chill conversation anybody has ever had about race at all. We still often get labeled, right? Those labels can be a lot of things, right? You can get labeled as, oh, you're just one of those liberals, whatever. Mm-hmm. You can get labeled as, oh, you're a Marxist. We hear that a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, all kinds of things. I mean, I could, we could go on and on about labels. So, Austin, what happens, or I guess how, sh- how should we respond when we get labeled as something that we're really not or – or maybe we are, but we're not – that's not the reason that we're having these conversations. I think we should – well, the believer in me is whatever work we do that's good is for Christ, right? So if we're working on racial unity, um, racial um, walls of hostility being torn down, people able to see God's face more clearly, uh, and we're being called names for that, I think if – falls in line with rejoicing um, for being persecuted for the Lord's namesake. That's how I kind of take that. But uh, outside of that context, like the scriptural context too, just being called names, you really have to tell yourself it can only get worse. And that sounds so negative, but y'all like this is a part of history, especially in our country 
right? Like I, I know my like I know my history and I I'm thankful that I don't just get my history from textbooks because textbooks, especially in public schools that are predominantly white, they're not going to tell you everything that was going on in our country. They're not. They're going to make it seem like it was so long ago. They're going to show you MLK footage that was in black or white, even though it was in, a lot of it was in color. They're going to put it in black and white to make it feel like age history. I already know how it goes. Like, I know white people who helped with abolishing slavery. You don't think they had names? Like, just think about that. Mm. Like, nigger lover was a term. That was a term. It was. And I know that makes people feel uncomfortable, but you have to go there because it's all tied to history. That's it's all tied to history. Like what we are here because we're products of history. That's what people don't understand. Why do we always go back? Why do we always go back? The same reason why you go back for other things that you like. Same reason why you celebrate the 4th of July. The same reason why you go back to, um, you know, moments of scripture, because it, it, it brings you to this point. Right. It plays a role in where you're at now. That's how history works. And God created us with this design of memory. So not only do we know history, we can remember history and build off of it. That's important to note. So just tell yourself it's probably going to get worse. I'm expecting more than a libertard. I'm expecting more than a snowflake. I'm expecting more than a Marxist. I'm expecting more than, you know, I'm trying to think what other the names I've been called. What's funny is I don't identify with any of them. I don't. But I'm, I'm like, I'm expecting more because look at my history. Whenever people stand against white supremacy, you will have people who come against you with name calling at the very least, at the very least. So, like, who are we to not expect that of ourselves, you know, from happening to us if it's going to happen to uh, the people before us? And again, just to, you know, beat the nail in a little bit further, probably one of the worst things that we can do is get defensive after somebody. Because if someone just called you a name, they're probably trying to make you get defensive. Mm. That's probably one of the points of, of doing that, right? So I personally, um, I sometimes have to walk away from the conversation for a, for a little while. Maybe it's a day. Mm. Um, because because it makes me mad when people label me. and And I understand that whenever my emotions are being riled up that there are times whenever it's better for me and the relationship with this person or with this group of people or whatever it is for for me to take a minute to cool down Mm -hmm. to get my thoughts together Mm -hmm. and and then to step back into the conversation later whenever I can do it with more grace right that's just what we come back to like Mm. over and over again if we want to get somewhere and then we really, we need, we need to practice grace. Right. And let me be very clear. I am mostly talking right now to white people who are being called names. Like Austin just said, I'm not saying that. I I think that we get into different waters and we get into really hard things whenever people start using like very racist language in response and and maybe you are listening as a black person and somebody comes back to you with the n-word that I think that that's a different situation and that's where we might have to consider walking away maybe from the conversation 
maybe even from the community. Mm-hmm. So Austin, at what point, at what point do we walk away from from a racist community? Well, I think it's super important to be, especially believer. You need to be praying. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I've been in communities where I knew, at the very least, it's a non-racist community. And I'm and I don't want to call anybody out. I'm just saying I've been in those places and I felt the Lord saying you need to be there. And I felt the Lord using me in people's lives to help them see it more clearly. I felt that um, so much so to where I wanted to go. And I felt like the Lord was saying, no, stay, 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 stay. That's huge. And, th- and that's the power. That's why I love God, you know. If you're praying a guy and you always agree with him, you're probably just praying to yourself, right? Like, that's kind of scary. If you're really sinful, he's really perfect. He can see all things and you can't. And you're always just going with your heart. It's probably a good indication you're not really following God. You're following yourself. So when God tells me to do something, <laughs> like a good heavenly father, and I'm like, I don't want to do it. <laughs> um, but, you know, trying to be a son, yes, sir. Try to obey. And then seeing the fruits of that. So it's going to be different for different people. There are some people that are in terrible situations. You're not supposed to go anywhere. That's mm-hmm. That sounds, this is like the last thing you want to hear right now. There are some people in, in places where it's just perfect. It feels like a utopia. You're like, this is like a taste of heaven on earth. You're supposed to leave. God's about to call you out. <laughs> I, that's just how he works. That's how he works because we're not here for our own happiness and our own joy. He wants it to be collective. That's that's the mission of, I mean, especially when you read the New Testament, it's so clear that God is literally keeping sand in our hourglass so that we may make more sons and daughters, that we may bring more people to Christ, that we may strengthen the church, that we may persevere to the end. There's so many yard marks that God is going to get us to. And sometimes that means you're not going to be happy. That might mean you have to lean into Christ as the man of sorrows for a season. That that's okay. You're not alone. Um, he loves you. He's with you. So I always say you got to pray up. You have to. Some logistical things to consider is family safety. So for example, I'm willing to go somewhere a little bit more racially, maybe dangerous. If it's me as a single man, I, I'm okay with watching my back a little bit more. Now that I have um, wife and babies. I have to be a little bit more conscious, right? I have to consider that because it's not just my life now. So if I feel like, you know, and there's a lot of times in our lives where God, it does feel like he's just giving us a choice. He's kind of like, you choose, you go. Less interested in the choice, more interested in where your heart is in the choice, right? So there's times where that happens like, oh, quick, sweet, we get to choose. I will probably choose a racially safer environment now being a family man versus me just being single does that make sense unless god is calling me to something different because he calls us to difficult all the time he really does uh and that's why i love god because he tells us that in the scripture you might get a call that you don't like but i'm with you i got you trust me i got you so um that's where i go typically as far as how to did how to discern uh, but it's just going to be different for everybody. So you really, you really got to be praying. Mm. That's, that's really good. I think that what I'm kind of 
I guess just processing right now as we're having this conversation is if possible, right? If if it's not something where someone is in danger or it's not just completely toxic for, you know, emotional health. Ooh, Austin's watch just went off. It wants him to breathe. <laughs> I don't know if those notifications come up like on purpose or just randomly because sometimes I feel like I get the breathe notification for my Apple Watch whenever I'm all like riled up about something. It's probably just random, but anyways. What I'm trying to say is don't leave a conversation or a community only if one conversation doesn't go great, right? Show back up. If at all possible, show back up. Keep having the conversations. Keep asking questions. It may not, it, it, it probably won't go great the first time. I don't know about you guys who are listening out there who, who may have at one point in your life fallen into the racist or non-racist category, but there were plenty of times that somebody said something. I mean, heck, there are plenty of times that Austin said something that I didn't want to hear it the first time, mm. right? My heart was set on, no, I'm not racist, and that's not, that's not what I was saying, or that's not, you know, I know I'm not racist. I know I'm not racist. So therefore, what you're saying about this can't be right because that might uncover something in my heart that I don't like. That's probably other people out there. That's probably people in our communities. And just because a response starts a certain way, what I like to do is kind of put myself in that person's position. And, you know, if I held that belief at any point in my life, is that maybe how I would respond? If the answer is yes, then... Like I said, give it a second, give it a little bit, and then go back. Keep showing up. And that's what we've that's that's really just what we want to communicate is show up and show up again and show up again and show up again. Mm. And could there come a point where you need to walk away? Absolutely. That doesn't necessarily mean that that's a forever thing. Maybe it's a temporary walk away. Maybe it is maybe it is for a long time. You know, we've had we've had friends, friends who we love dearly, dearly, who were in our immediate community at one point who we've had to make a conscious effort to walk away from some conversations with. And that doesn't mean that we never want to go back to them. That doesn't mean that if they reached out to us, we wouldn't walk, go back to those conversations with open arms. That's right. But right now, where their heart is, it's just not time. And so what we can do and what we do is we pray and reach out about things that don't have to do with race, right? We, we, you know, try to keep open communication, even if it's not coming back on the other end, just that way that maybe the door will be opened again. Maybe we will be in a place where we can have conversation about this and, and maybe it won't be as hurtful. Maybe, who knows? We don't know what the future holds, but what we do know is what we control, what we can control right now, and that's that we protect our family in, in such a way that we can, but that we also keep an open door, that we approach people with love and with grace, and that's all. that's all we can really do. I think another thing to remember is that 
especially after this year, right? This year has been so eye-opening for so many people. And you may feel absolutely on fire, right? And then whenever other people aren't, or when like your friend who you thought was 100% on board with this decides that, you know, I think it's time for me to cool down a little bit. Or, you know, hey, people aren't really talking about that anymore. So maybe we could just diet down. And then you're like, what? (laughs) You were supposed to be in this with me. That can be discouraging, right? Just because you don't turn your non-racist or racist community anti-racist in a month, all right, with with one good conversation, it doesn't completely change someone's heart. That doesn't mean that it wasn't a win in some ways. So celebrate the little wins, Mm -hmm. right? If, If you notice that your boss or your friend or whoever who always talks about like how, you know, I don't see color, I don't see color, I don't see color. And you have a conversation with that person and then you hear them saying it less, right? They may not stop saying it immediately, but you just hear it out of their mouth a little bit less. That is a win, right? That is progress. Progress. And that's that's what we got to do. We got to be intentional about stepping toward progress and about going in that direction. And guess what? you may have to leave that community before it truly becomes an anti-racist community for whatever reason. You could have to move. Life could just take you in a different direction. But if you're starting those conversations, we're praying that, especially especially in Christian communities, especially places where if, if you're a believer somewhere, that the Holy Spirit would continue to stir up these conversations and that they would be for the good and for the glory of God, right? And then for the good of his people. That's that's what we're praying. That's what we hope that these conversations ultimately result in. And we hope that this conversation has maybe given you a little bit of a little bit more freedom to be able to go into your communities and pursue anti-racism even more intentionally. I think that was beautiful and I'm going to give y'all a picture. I love giving metaphors and examples basketball we always think about the leading scorer right we always think about the person who's dropping 30 points who's going to do the rebounding who's going to be running point who's going to be our lockdown defender who's right we got different roles everybody can't be the 30 point scorer (laughs) and i think sometimes we look down at people oh you ain't where's your 30 points today y'all everybody's not going to be that big pillar, that person that just changes the dial. But it doesn't mean you're not on the right team. And it doesn't mean that you're not helping with the win. Now, I'm not saying do the bare minimum because, hey, every basketball team has a bench. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is the bench is important too. Ask the Lakers this year. (laughs) Some of y'all just, y'all drunk on that yak and y'all think that LeBron did it all. He didn't. Okay. Come on now. It's about the parts around. Don't just think about the stars. Think about the surrounding parts. And that's why I love doing this podcast like this, because I feel like we're a surrounding part. You know, we don't have millions of views or crazy amount of subscribers, but we got a really sweet compliment and word that this was helping somebody the other day. That's awesome. Shoot, that's a, we're okay if we're coming off the bench. That's fine. Um, and, and I think we don't need to be throwing stones at our teammates. 
um, if they're not averaging 30 or if their voice isn't super loud. And I think we have to be very careful. We're all on the same team. If we're fighting anti-racism, promoting racial unity, racial flourishing, and especially in the context of, of honoring God, we got to be on the same team here. Thank you guys for tuning back in with us. We appreciate you showing up week after week. Next week is Christmas on oh Friday, God. I think, or Thursday. Yeah. No, I think it's Friday. I think it's Friday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's definitely Friday. 18th, yeah. Awesome. Well, we may show up on Ooh. your on your platform, potentially. I have an idea, but if we don't also, please forgive because, us because yeah. <laughs> it's Christmas. It's Christmas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Next week's going to be busy, no but, but I do have some ideas, so be looking for that just in case. Maybe you got some time uh, later that day or, or the next day to, to tune in. So we appreciate you guys. Thank you so much, and we will chat with you later. Peace. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to Grace and Race. We hope you enjoyed our conversation and also took away some points so that you too can better commit to practicing anti-racism in your own family and community. If you want to stay updated on episodes and join further conversations, head to laurengroves.me backslash join our list. That's laurengroves.me backslash join our list to join our email list. You can also follow us on Instagram at Lauren, two underscores, Groves, or Groves8070 to stay updated with our family and join conversations on our public platforms. Thanks for listening. We'll chat with you again soon.